Hi, welcome to Diversity in the D, Season 3, Episode 2. I'm Donna. Peace out, love. And today we're going to go over a couple cases, and I'm going to start with Tamara Green. In the early morning hours of April 30th, 2003, Tamara Green was shot to death in a drive-by shooting. She was in the car with her boyfriend. They had just left the strip club where Tamara was worked, and she had headed to Roselawn Street and Outer Drive to drop off her boyfriend. As she was pulling her car to the curb, an unidentified man in a white Chevy Blazer pulled around the corner and began shooting at her car. He was described as a light-skinned, Tamara's boyfriend said. He looked like a man that he had fought with a few weeks before. They saw. They say her boyfriend knew what was going to happen because he ducked for cover into the footwell of the Buick Skylark. He said nothing to Green. Tamara was hit once behind the left ear, once through the jaw, and once through the left arm and chest. Her boyfriend was struck by five bullets, including one in the neck, but he managed to call for help. The bullets that killed Tamara was from a 40 caliber pistol at the time that was the standard issue caliber for the Detroit Police Department. Police believe Tamara was killed over a drug dispute. In April of 2013, the U.S. 6th District Court dismissed Green's family. For years, her family argued that there was a cover-up by Kwame Kilpatrick, one of the former mayors of Detroit. It was rumored that Tamara had stripped at one of his parties in the mayor's mansion. Kwame resigned after being convicted on felony charges, including perjury and obstruction of justice. He was sentenced to four months on October 28th of 2008. He was released after serving 99 days. And then Kwame was sentenced for 28 years in federal prison for corruption after a series of scandals destroyed his political career. And then Trump commuted Kwame's sentence, and he was released on January 21st, 2021, only serving a little over seven years of his 28-year sentence. But enough about Kwame. Tamara's family tried to get the documents unsealed in her case by a federal judge ruled against it, saying he wants to protect the ongoing investigation in her case. And the Michigan Attorney General said the murder investigation will remain under seal for the time being. After going over all this information in this case, let's go over some details that still make people to this day believe Tamara Green's death was a cover-up due to Kwame. Number one, her boyfriend managed to duck when the shooting occurred, but did not tell Tamara so she, she could take care of cover. Number two, bullets that killed her came back to a 40 caliber Glock, same as the Detroit Police Department carry. Number three, she was... She was shot, and the shooter never came back around to see if she was dead. So was it a professional that knew he hit his target? Number four, did she dance for the wrong people and get a target placed on her back? Number five, was her boyfriend really the target? Tamira's family has never forgotten Tamira, and her son is still asking for anyone to come forward with the, the truth about Tamira's death. There are so many questions that remain unanswered in her murder. Their murder still remains unsolved to this day. Number six, the former police lieutenant, lieutenant insisted it was a professional police job. Number seven, Green was struck 18 times from a moving vehicle, yet the medical examiner reported she was only struck just three times and 12 bullet casings were found at the scene. So knowing all of this, what is your opinion on the case of Tamir Green? You know what? That's wild because... He never really said that in the get go, but that is a, that is a known fact. 
elite officers had 40, 40 cows at that time. People didn't even know nothing about 40 cows because they was issued in the military first and then to the police. And then, like you said, you have to look at it. Anybody, that's no that's no rookie shooting. You you shooting in a moving car and you hitting your targets. And you're not going to come around and see if they're, they're dying uh, because you know they're dying because you're a professional. Yeah. So that's a that that's a professional hit. That was just a hit. He probably seen it coming, but he should have been uh he should have told her like oh duck or pull off or something. Like you know you have a better chance with that. But like why did he duck? Did he have? Did he know something too? It's the crazy part. And the police lieutenant at the time said that he believes that it was a hit by the Detroit Police Department. Come, we all know. I'm gonna say too much, but we all know what was going on during those times. Yeah. So, I mean, you put two and two together. Yeah. What politics. do it make? You know, politics are corrupt, and they'll yeah. cover shit up. But yeah, you see who and see who pardoned him, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Birds of a feather flop together. Right. You know, people who are able to get off of crimes, although they know, you know, blankly, they commit them. That, that's the sad thing about it. But then you got regular people who just get locked up for stupid stuff. Exactly. That's where it starts from. The corruption starts from inside the departments. Yeah. Somebody need to, somebody need to make a change. Especially for this girl's family. That's the whole thing. Yeah. You know, you but, would think someone would want to give closure to her family. But they, did they, did they, they never put and about the fact they brushed that under the rug about how she was attacked with a baseball bat by his wife or somebody associated with his wife. No, they never put that. <laughs> so you know, it, goes, it, it was it was professional. Yeah, and it goes deeper than what they're gonna yeah. let us know because of course it's thirty politicians and everything involved in this, and you know Detroit police, some Detroit police officers. I. I tell you one thing. I think the, the gatekeeper to all of that that truth is Christine BD's husband. Maybe. Because he was dog best friend. And see how that turned out for him. He was stabbed in the back by both of them. Hmm. Yeah, it's just crazy. Well, rest in peace, Mary Green. Rest in peace. And I hope one day you will finally get your justice, young lady. You ain't deserve that. No, and you know, I feel bad for her family. I hope they get closure one day. Yes, especially her baby. So, move on. Gonna cover the topic of the Woods Brothers. I know a lot of street people should know the Woods Brothers. Anton and Austin Woods. Anton and Austin Woods are a member of a Detroit street gang called Head Niggas in Charge, or HNIC. HNIC were known for drug dealing, intimidation, and violence. They promoted and protected the gang rep by harming anyone who disrespected HNIC. The Wood Brothers were two of the gang leaders who gave the orders to other gang members to assault, kill, and rob people. On October 24th, 2015, the Wood Brothers and HNIC member were all at Fairlane Mall in Detroit. When they got into a fight with James Williams, Carlton Green, and Eric Green, 
James was a rival gang member, and he and Anton had long-standing feud. The two the two groups began fighting. Then it had then they had knives and two people, but eventually HNIC and the Wood Brothers ran away. Williams and his associate and his associates ran after them, tackled Austin and beat him until the mall security broke up the fight. After this, Williams Williams start started to post multiple memes on social media making fun of HNIC for running away from a fight. This uh this set up the Woods brothers and HNIC so they so they decided to respond on November 30th, 2015. Austin texts Anton a link to a YouTube video that showed the address to the Williams grandma's house. And he said Williams was there was hiding there. That's crazy. On December 6, 2015, James Williams was having a party at the King at the King of Diamonds strip club. During the party, Anton Austin and two other members of HNIC members were waiting in the cars outside of the club to kill Williams. Williams exited the club and then Anton said, There, there you go, and pointed a gun at the back of Williams' head. Anton and HNIC, HNIC members both fired their guns at Williams. And Williams and the people he was with fired back. HNIC fled the scene after exchange of gunfire. The same day, there was another shooting at Williams' grandma's house. Eric Green was in the house when five to eight shots was fired into the home. Green didn't see who fired the shots, but Anton later told another member of HNIC that he tore Grandma's house up. The Woods brothers were the Woods brothers were tried was tried jointly on September 6, 2017. A federal a federal grand jury indicted them on multiple charges related to the December 6th and the December 20th shooting and two of the drive-by shootings directed at the Williams and on August 8th 2018 the grand jury returned a second a second superseding superseding indictment that charged the brothers with conspiracy to commit murder in aid of racketeering and violation of using carrying and discharging a firearm in retaliation to a crime of violence anton was charged with attempted murder in aid of racketeering assault with a deadly weapon in aid of racketeering and assault with a deadly weapon in aid of racketeering the district court sentenced anton to a total of 384 months of imprisonment and austin to a total of 168 months of imprisonment and that is the story of the Woods Brothers. If you don't know, I, I forget which one is the name, but it was one of the Detroit's underground thing that they used, the all-white Buffy songs. I believe he went up by H-N-I-C Ken. That's, I believe, that's Austin, if I'm not mistaken. And them bad, bad brothers. Yeah. 
And I, if I'm not mistaken, I think they, they, they territory is like the other side from uh, the other side of Joy Road. If I'm not mistaken, they like cross Southfield to Redford. And that's HNIC headquarters. Man, just, just foolish because social media, social media starts so much stuff these days. I think that's why when we were younger, it didn't go as far because we didn't have platforms like today to instigate each other. Yes. These kids be on there doing the, the most. The, the crazy part about the one brother, he like, if I'm not mistaken, he like 10, 15 years older than his brother. We should know better. Some people so just, it just it just shows you like some people just take things a little bit to the extreme. <laughs> <laughs> okay, the next case I'm gonna cover is Bianca Jones. This one just tore my heart out. I just but it's gotta be covered. On the morning of December second, twenty eleven, DeAndre Lane called the police and reported he had been carjacked and abductors took off with his two year old daughter Bianca. Officers arrived at, Le- at Lane's house at 9.52 p.m., five minutes after he had placed the 911 call. Lane was very shaken up, and it took him a minute to reply to any questions. He eventually told the police that he had been driving a black Crown Vic. When asked where the carjacking took place, he pointed at the corner of Custer and Brush. But in his recorded interview, he said he ran into Blackwell on Howard Street. Then he went along Woodward to Warren, turned right, took Warren to Brush, turned left, and headed south on Brush to Grand Boulevard. On the boulevard, he stopped at a stop sign, and someone behind him started honking. The car was small, red, and had square headlights. Someone in the other car said his headlights were out, so he left his car to see if they were. If they were, That's when the passenger got out of the other car, holding a gun, and jumped into the car and drove away. Detroit police officers had heard that a black Mercury, the child in the back seat, was carjacked. They began looking for the car and found it at 10.15 a.m. in the area of Brush, Custer, and Philadelphia Street. It was in an alley with the car doors open, the keys were in the ignition, and it was running. There was, there was a child's car seat and blanket in it. The officer thought it was weird that Bianca was not in the car when he found the car. He would have expected carjackers to leave her in the car. Extensive ex- efforts made by the police and the community, but Bianca was never found. After reviewing Lane's cell phone calls and re- records, police seen that Lane's 855 call to Blackwell was not consistent with Lane being on brush at the time. The call was made in the area of I-75 service drive near I-94, four blocks west of brush. When cops took Lane on a ride along on December 9, 2011, Lane said he ran from Cass in Lafayette into Blackwell, then took Lafayette to Griswold, turned left, took Griswold to Grand River, turned right to Grand River to Woodward, and turned left. And Lane's body language was off during the ride along. He would not look left when the when they passed the alley where the car was found. He also got worked up when they drove along St. Aubin. He was breathing faster and shallower, shallower and was covering his face. When police questioned friends and families, they were told that Lane agreed to help Jones, Bianca's mom, by taking temporary custody of her. Lane picked Bianca up on November 26, 2011, in his girlfriend's car because his, his was broken down, a silver grand marquis. He was going to keep Bianca till after Christmas so she could share a room with her two-year-old sister. 
The people who lived with Lane said he was responsible for the discipline in the house. He would put the kids in timeouts, and he had used a homemade paddle. Bianca's seven-year-old sister said that Lane had used the paddle to give Bianca a whooping. Her mom said Bianca was almost potty trained, but would still have accidents and had to wear pull-ups at night. She did not pack any pull-ups for Bianca when Lane took her. If the two-year-old or Bianca would have an accident at night, Lane would spank them and give them a timeout. Between November 26 and December 2, 2011, Bianca had diarrhea numerous times. Lane became frustrated, angry. The second time she had an accident. Clinton Nevers was working out in the basement of Lane's home. He did it every morning. He sat down in Lane's living room after working out and he heard three hard paddles and a baby began crying. Lane told him that Bianca had urinated and pooped on the floor and he don't play that shit. On December 1st, 2011, his girlfriend said Bianca had woke her up crying that night. She heard a couple taps from the downstairs bathroom and a toilet flushing. She also heard Lane hitting Bianca with a paddle. She heard four or five smacking sounds and Bianca crying like she was in serious pain. On December 2nd, 2011, Lane put a blanket over Bianca's head and carried her to the car and took the other kids to school. The kids had said she could not remember Bianca moving, talking, walking, or standing. And that Bianca's eyes were open in the car. She was just looking. It did not make any noises. A friend of Lane said he was walking to Lane County Community College on December 2nd, 2011. When Lane called his name, he seen him in a nice white vehicle. He was the only one in the vehicle, and he saw bags in the back seat. Lane looked distraught. They exchanged numbers, but he did not offer him a ride to school. FBI agents said cell phone towers showed Lane's phone placed a 14 to 18 second call to his friend at 8.55 a.m. that morning. According to a person that lived in the home with Lane, he called her briefly to mention he was going to get Bianca more clothes from her mom's house. Sometimes, sometime after that, he called her crying and saying someone took Bianca. He admitted he did not call the police that someone else used his phone to call the police at 9.47 a.m. On December 4, 2011, cadaver dogs were taken to a warehouse with 31 cars and the handlers were never told what car was involved in the carjacking of Bianca. The dogs picked out the grand marquees for the presence of odor of decomposition in the backseat and trunk. And when took into the house, the dogs also alerted officers of decom decomp in the room where Bianca slept. They took DNA from the paddle and blood found on Bianca's pillow. And it was a match to Bianca and Lane. Lane was sentenced to a life term for first degree felony murder and 11 to 30 years for child abuse. A lot of people say they have seen baby Bianca alive after she was ruled dead. A Detroit police officer, Nikki Gibbs, responded to a domestic violence call eight days after Lane said he was carjacked. He saw a two-year-old girl and asked what her name was. The lady said it was Dida. It was her grandchild, but mispronounced her name, which was odd to Gibbs. The next day, he had seen a missing poster of Bianca and his jaw hit the floor. A private investigator also said he followed up on Gibbs nine months after Bianca disappeared and said he had seen her at the house disguised as a boy and her bushy eyebrows were shaved off. The police were called, but they went to the house. The child he seen was gone. Police identified the ch children in the home and none of them were Bianca. Bianca's mom believes the witnesses and thinks Bianca's still alive. They never found Bianca's body. Do you think she's alive?
But I thought that I thought that they found her under that porch. That's what that's what went out, but that's right. So I'm confused. But I mean he I don't know what because his his statements because you gotta look at it the place that he said that he was at. First and foremost, Woodward, Brush, John R, Grand River, all run the same way. So you can't be on both of those motherfucker West name. And then once you cross, once you cross over Woodward, John R is considered the east side. So how can you be on Grand River and and Grand River is the west side? So how can you be on the east side and the west side at the same time? But then, like, if those kids said that. She wasn't moving or any damn thing, but her eyes open. I don't think that she she could have if if they was there, she couldn't be alive. She can't be alive because mm-hmm. if she was no movement, no sounds, and her eyes is a lot of people die with their eyes open. But like you like you specify, like his girlfriend said that they was hearing the loud noises, and and then the next day the kids say that she just sitting there. Why would he put a blanket over her head? That's my whole thing. And my whole thing is they said that at a certain time he had seen the guy walk into the Gwen County Community College. He was in a nice white car. Okay, so you get carjacked, you jump in a car. Then you call the police after you, you shoot the shit with your friend. You didn't offer your friend a ride to school. It's December 2nd. It's cold as hell. Right. But and then just like what you said, like, said somebody pulled behind. How's somebody going to pull behind you and say yo, that, your, that your headlights is out? <laughs> that's what I'm trying to figure out. Like, how can somebody pull behind you and say, yo, hey, your headlights is off? How the hell can you see that? You behind me. And I'm and they said that he had blankets in the back. I mean not blankets, but garbage bags in the back seat, his friend. And you're in a nice white car. So I think that that baby was in them garbage bags and he dumped that body. Yeah, he did. Like them babies, what them babies said, obviously they know. They said she wasn't making a sound, no nothing. That baby was in there dead. He's a sick motherfucker to be a, a parent. You're gonna kill your baby because kids have accidents. Or you should have been you should have been you should have been a you should have been a better father and teach your baby. I don't give a damn. Most people talking about some oh, whoop, whoop, whoop. hey, that's your child. I don't give a damn if it's a girl, you gotta steal. Yeah, hey, look here, you can't beat them. Just teach him, like, oh, okay, well, I can't show you how it's done. Your mama could show you how to wipe. I'm just going to tell you, oh, when you feel some type of way, this culture, she's just a baby. And my whole thing, I'm sure the mother in her hearts, uh, hearts like any mother wants to believe their child's alive. I know, but, but with all of that being said, it's, it's too, he he confused the whole situation. He talking about, and then I know where St. Antoine is at. St. Antoine is damn sure the east side. So how the hell you talking about you was over there and then you talking about St. Antoine and shit and I-94 and 75 word, word motherfucking merges that I think, if I'm not mistaken, on them projects by Mac Avenue, like, it's no way in hell. That shit is so far away. And then you said Philadelphia and shit. That shit way down motherfucking past a bunch of shit that he talking about he was at. like. And why would cadaver dogs hit on the car, the trunk and the backseat of that car? And in certain areas of the house, that that baby wasn't dead. Their dogs aren't just gonna hit. No, they ain't no dead. They ain't gonna lie. No, that's what they're trained to do. I mean, so he, obviously that baby. He killed. He he killed this baby. 
for whatever malicious reasons that he that that he did that. But he that's where that's the reason why he's gonna burn the hill. He gonna burn the hill because they gave him all that time plus some. What the fuck you get? If somebody don't do nothing to him, which they should, I don't promote violence, but they should because you can't be out here killing these kids. If you kill your own kid, I damn sure know that you will kill somebody else's kid. So you administer society. Let's call a spade a spade. And then you're going to try to cover it up in the stupidest way. And then you tell the the cops the car is gray or black and it's really gray. You're giving them all this runaround. So if you didn't have nothing to hide and you didn't kill that baby. Right. Then. Then why was you 17 places at one time? Right. You gave up so many damn locations that all go the same way. And your cell phone records do not. Yeah, fit. and then your cell phone records. Like, come on now. That's like me being, I'm on six mile and seven mile. They they, 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 they held me up on six mile and seven mile. They're like, bro, they go the same way. That's why our technology is so advanced. Because, because these damn kid killers. <laughs> and I'm glad, though, because it helps our police and you know, everybody convict killers on just pings off of towers and stuff. But that's just sad. Like, if you have a, if you have a, you, they be out here killing these babies. They be having problems with grown people and they don't do nothing about it. But you will take it out on some kids. Them babies don't, the babies ain't asked to be here. And she is so, she was so adorable. I know. When I first saw her, it broke my heart. When it, when it popped up on my, my friends was posting that. And if, I'm like, oh wow! Then when I see him, he ain't have no. He's gonna be in there fake crime, like bro. I know somebody fake crime, like you and that is fake crime. They told you what you gonna get. You and that is fake crime. Why would you kill your kid because she ain't got? She's a baby. I can see if she was 18, 19, 20 years old. You just kick one out your house, like hey, get your man ass about her. Two years old. What baby supposed to do? All right. She and- probably. She probably wasn't. She probably just started walking. And her mom said she wasn't fully potty trained. She was almost there. So you know the baby's not fully potty trained. So it's, it's going to have accidents. I mean, that's what that's why I call that's why it's called parenting. The mamas ain't supposed to do any damn thing. The daddy's supposed to do something besides beat them and use them for something. Tax money, a tax write off, and just to get out of child support or pay half of damn child support, but just kill them and use them for like that's that's, that's crap. I'm a father. Like I don't. I don't like, no. My kids, I ain't look here. I try my best with my kids. I let them know. Go to the party. Even my daughter and I, it was like, I can't teach you how to wipe. That's why I got mama and sisters for it. They can teach you how to that. But I'm going to teach you to the potty. Like, she don't beat them. Mm-hmm. Somebody's going to be beating him for his month, for his lunch money. <laughs> well, anything else you got to say? Thank y'all so much. We really appreciate y'all. Y'all are the best. Any comments, any cases, anything, hey, let us know. I appreciate y'all. Well, we appreciate y'all for the bottom of our heart. Y'all getting us there. We're almost up to 100. <laughs> and as soon as we get everything situated, we're going to start giving y'all personal shout out. So, And on that note, we want to say happy Memorial Day. Yes, yes. Be safe. And enjoy your weekend. And thank you to all our listeners. Don't forget to subscribe, follow, like, and comment. And also remember, we are available on the following platforms. Amazon Music, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and YouTube. On Facebook, 
Our Facebook page is Diversity in the D. Our email is D-I-V-E-R-C-I-T-Y-I-N-T-H-E-D at gmail.com. And we just want to thank you again. So thankful for y'all. Yes, yes. Y'all have a blessed and safe weekend. Happy holidays and many more. We will be back with you guys on Tuesday. Bye.